All right. So muscle soreness or exercise induced muscle soreness will end up leading into DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. And it doesn't happen for everybody, but it can happen. And that's basically just micro tears in the muscle. And basically what happens is, and the belief is, or the theory is that those micro tears can potentially help in building muscle. That has since been kind of debunked. Today, we're joined with a very special guest. She is a strength coach, a sports nutritionist, and owner of FitBase Gym. She loves interior design, has a beautiful daughter, partner, and three dogs, and has too many pet peeves when it comes to fitness. Please give a warm welcome to Josie Cranley. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> I always struggle with the last names, like the last like four guests that I've had, it's been like some crazy names that it doesn't matter how long I look at them. I don't think that I would ever pronounce them correctly, even after they tell me. So when I looked at your last name, I was like, okay, I better get this one right. Otherwise I'm really failing. <laughs> it's all good, girl. Cranley is a pretty easy one. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I felt like too. How's your Sunday going? I'm making you record at such a, I guess it's not that early, but still early enough for a Sunday. <laughs> oh, it's good. I slept in until 7.30 for me that's sleeping in. <laughs> oh, hey, well, that that's a win. That's really when good. When you have a one and a half year old daughter, 7.30 is pretty nice. Yeah, that is nice. Does she go to bed like uh, um, early or, or late? No, she goes to bed late. She is a night hawk and then wakes up early. She doesn't sleep. We call her a sleep terrorist. Oh God. <laughs> Hopefully that changes eventually for you. <laughs> but we were told once she turns one, don't worry. Once she turns one, she'll start sleeping. Well, she's almost two. She'll be two in August. So still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And now she's about to go into her terrible twos. So hopefully it doesn't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have we'll kids, see. so I can't sympathize, but I talk to enough people that I'm like, Oh God, good luck. <laughs> That's yeah, too funny. It's... It's been um, pretty sleepless over here. That's for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, I could only imagine. I actually have a sister-in-law that they have a son who I think he's hitting seven months now, maybe eight. But once he kind of hit that six month mark, he went through like, I guess, a sleep regression. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like sleeping a maximum of an hour at a time. So he was up like every hour. And then I remember seeing them both and they were like, we haven't slept in three days. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I, I have so much respect for new parents and moms that it's, it's terrifying when I think about potentially ever being one that I'm like, I don't know how I will ever survive because I'm that person that needs, I need a midday siesta as an adult, forget having a child. How will I survive without sleep? <laughs> Listen, I'm the same. And I preach about sleep. I'm like, you need to get your eight hours, nine hours. I go to bed at like 830 and wake up at six. And people are like, you go to bed at 830. I'm like, yeah, I have yeah. a daughter like who wakes me up all night. I need to get good sleep. And I've always been like that. I think I've pulled two all nighters in my entire life. And I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
feel that. I feel like if I go to bed at 11 o'clock, I suffer the next day. Even if I'm like waking up at like six, I'm like, oh God, I'm dying. I, I don't understand how I ever like had bar star days where I was up until, you know, two or three. And then, I mean, I was sleeping in late the next day. So I guess yeah. it kind of balances out, but even still just being up that late like my body is like shut down at 8 p.m it's like okay turn off <laughs> I feel yeah, like but if you think you're tired now just wait till if you do decide to have kids just wait you'll be like I thought I was so tired but I really was not that tired <laughs> yeah I'm definitely you know not uh not taking in and appreciating the sleep that I have right now <laughs> I'm taking it for granted <laughs> yes that's For too sure. funny. But enough about that. I want to talk about you. Um, so you are, you are, wow, I can't speak today, a strength coach and a sports nutritionist. So if you don't mind just kind of telling me and my listeners, like what that is and what that means. Yeah, sure. Um, so I own a studio. I opened up my own studio in 2018. I was working at a gym down in Mississauga called RWFC, but it closed and then I had moved to Orangeville. And originally, my plan was that I was just going to keep driving to Mississauga from Orangeville, which was an hour, uh, 45 to an hour drive. And when you're a coach, you know, you have your 5am, 6am clients, and then like 7pm clients. So it's just massive gap. So I decided to open up my own studio. And then I noticed that there was like a really big I will get into like the strength coach, nutrition coaching, but I did notice that there was a really big gap in women's health and training and just being like a woman myself having coaches who are primarily male coaches i felt kind of intimidated by by their presence and by a lot of like not so much like they're touching but like the way that they would cue me i felt very uncomfortable with it just being a female i don't know i didn't know if that was like something that was really normal and even with the knowledge that I did have, even though it wasn't that much knowledge, I still felt pretty intimidated in the gym. So I decided to open up my own like female-based training studio. And at that time, it wasn't like a strength training studio. It was just like, I was just coaching, training, doing the bare minimum of things that I had known. And then um, went to school, as I was going to school at Humber and graduated, I then started to implement a lot more strength training and hypertrophy based training. So basically teaching women how to get strong and teaching women how to build muscle because those are um, independent. So you can get strong and not build muscle and you can build muscle and not be very strong. But I want to wanted to kind of like hybrid the two and bring them together because it's really important, especially as females, that we start to understand how important it is that we build muscle and build strength. And I think as females too, we've always been looked at as these like weak and fragile creatures when in reality we are completely the opposite we carry like for the majority of women who do have kids and do get pregnant we carry kids we birth them like vaginally or through c-section um or even if we don't end up birthing the kids like still carrying them and going through that pregnancy process is something that no man will ever understand. And it is a, like, women are a lot stronger than I think we even give ourselves credit for because we see ourselves as like weak and vulnerable and like, like not confident. And 
I feel like that's pretty like sad. So when I opened up my studio and decided that I wanted to like train women, when I started training them in being stronger and having muscle, their confidence level like skyrocketed. They're like, I'm going to break up with this person. They weren't making me feel really good. I'm going to go to school and do this. I'm actually going to wear this bikini to the beach. Like I have this one client of mine. She's in her, I think she's in her sixties or late fifties. And she's like, oh no, like I've never worn a bikini to the beach ever. And she has a smoking body. Like she looks great. (laughs) Um, And then we started doing strength training and her body didn't change too much, but she developed like a confidence from being able to like lift almost nothing to being able to deadlift like 150 pounds and was like, I went to the beach and wore a bikini and I feel so confident. So that's kind of why I had opened up and, and do what I do. And then the other, like the other side of that is like the nutrition side. So nutrition's always been a really big passion of mine. And when you're looking at health and health markers, you're going to be looking at, well, what are you doing primarily mostly through the day, right? You're eating more than you're working out and more than you're exercising. We want to make sure that we're getting your eating to be appropriate for the type of person that you are. And we follow macros. I don't know if you know what macros are. Yeah. So your carbs, proteins, fats, fiber. So we usually go through like your macros so that way we can optimize your health and your body. So that way you are functioning the way you're supposed to be functioning at whatever age that you are at. And then we can kind of take strength training and hypertrophic training, any nutrition components and put them together as a beautiful couple and marry them two together. So that way you can get the best results possible and also feel the most amazing that you've ever felt. But the idea too, is that it's not like, you know, I'm just giving you a template. It's the idea that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. So that way, when you leave, you're continuously doing what you're doing. Like, so it's not supposed to be scary. You can only eat chicken and rice and broccoli, or you can only lift super, super heavy. And you're always supposed to be sore. Like that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to like marry the two together. So that way you are, you can go off and blossom from the little caterpillar to butterfly (laughs) and feel pretty good about your strength and nutrition training. So just one thing I want to dial back and just ask about what is hypertrophy? Sorry. So hypertrophy is just gaining muscle. So growing muscle. And then there's atrophy, which is the loss of muscle. So when you're trying to gain muscle, you're trying to build the muscle, which is called hypertrophy. Oh, okay. 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 I never heard that terminology before. So I was like, what? <laughs> no, that's fair. I don't realize sometimes I do say things and I don't realize what people do or don't know, but yeah, just stop me anytime. If I say something that you're unsure of. No, no, it's all good. I am not that well-versed when it comes to fitness as a whole anyways. So it's always good for me to have these conversations to just kind of learn more and understand more. And, and so how long have you now been doing um, either one or, or both together. You said 2018 is when you started. I opened it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to school in 2014 at Humber campus before that in 2013, I was still doing like some stuff on my own, but I wouldn't say that I was actually really practicing. So I'd say that probably 2014 because in Humber, they get you like practicing with clients is when I started. But even looking back then, I'm very embarrassed about some of the information that I <laughs> used to spew and say 
So, so that's actually a good segue to kind of talk about what our topic is going to be. And because you're so well-versed in all of this in terms of fitness, I'm sure that you've heard or you've been asked some of the most craziest things. There's a lot of misinformation out there uh, in the internet. Everything is a little bit it's a good way because it's readily available for us to access information, but it's only beneficial if it's accurate uh, information. And as we kind of go down this rabbit hole of Instagram and then TikTok becoming this big thing, it's giving people avenues to talk about things that maybe they're not fully educated on. There's so many weird videos that, that I see often that are like, I really hope that, and and not even just from a fitness standpoint, just from general, like, I really hope that people are not reading this and thinking that it's real and going and trying this. Like, I swear I saw a video once where somebody told you to put tinfoil in the microwave and like, (laughs) I hope people know that that shit should not be done and can really be dangerous. So that kind of, you know, touches on the fitness world where there's a lot of people that are speaking to things that maybe they're not fully educated on, or, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they have tried things that work for them, but they're putting everybody into the same box, which does not always work. So hmm. we are going to talk about some of the misconceptions in the fitness world that you've encountered and maybe even some that I've encountered myself. So to kind of before we start getting through all of the misconceptions you being in this industry and kind of watching as social media has grown I'm sure that you've seen how the industry has shifted to so much misinformation like if I think about like 20 let's say 2014 I don't really remember there being that much information out there when it comes to um, the fitness industry other than maybe like magazines like I'm just or maybe stuff on tv like I'm just trying to think because like social media has taken off into a crazy world like maybe we had Facebook but there wasn't a lot of information out there unless like you're working individually with people what do you think yeah no there I mean there's still a lot of stuff on social media from even like I think in like 24 14, 2015, a lot of the big push through nutrition was, and I, and I see it coming back now actually is like lemon water and apple cider vinegar shots before eating food and eating spicy food to speed up your metabolism. And there was just a lot of misinformation and going back to actually what, one of the things that you had said is with people post things saying that something worked for them, that's called confirmation bias. And you see it all the time over social media when someone's like, oh, they try to like say that the reason that they're doing something and sorry, they're trying to say that they're preaching something because it worked for them. And confirmation bias can be very dangerous, especially when people are cherry picking data in order for it to fit their bias. It can really injure and harm other people. A lot of people on social media do not know how to stay in their own lane. (laughs) You see chiropractors and doctors who have no nutrition or strength training background whatsoever giving out advice, which can ultimately harm other people who are consuming this information. And it can seem really appealing and very like, oh, like, this woman looks fantastic. She has glowing skin and like looks amazing and has a six pack. And this is what she does. 
But let's be real. When is the last time that you posted a whole video on what you did in the last month? Never. No one actually sees all the stuff that you do or all the challenges that you've gone through or how hard you're working or if you have any like eating disorders or whatever. Like most of the shit that people post online. Can I say shit? Yeah, of course. You can swear as much as you want. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the stuff people post online is bullshit. And it's like to highlight, you know, uh, uh, it's a highlight reel and it's to most of the time it's to make themselves look amazing and glorify them and to make them money. Yep. Like that's a big thing and make them money. I, so I wanted to say that that's the scariest part is that even those people sometimes that are like, oh, you should try this product and buy this product because it worked for me. Sometimes they never actually even had the product. They are literally just showcasing it. Why? Because every single time you use their discount code, they're getting profit. They're actually only doing it to make money. They don't give a shit if it's harmful to other people. They don't give a shit if you buy it and never use it. And and half the time they're not using it. That's one of those things that's that's like false marketing, I I almost want to say, because they're preaching about something that not, not in every case, but sometimes they haven't even tried themselves. So they're, they're trying to, you know, convey that message that try this, this is good. This is good for your health or whatever it may be. Meanwhile, you have no idea what the effects of these things are and if they're actually good. And in 20, actually that actually, so in 2014, 2015, going through my, you know, trying to find out who I am in this industry, I guess. I have tried and like even up into 2018, 2019, have tried like almost everything. I tried the sweat belts. I tried the apple cider vinegar, the lemon water, like I don't even, you know, uh, detoxes of all natures. I can't tell you how many times that I have almost pooped my pants. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And, you know, it's just, you, you, it's very easy to fall into the trap and feeling they, these ads are made to make you feel like crap. So that way you buy their stuff. And yeah. even now in 20, what are we, 2023, sometimes I see videos of things and like my brain instantly goes to, wait a minute, like, what if that is true? And like, I know physiology pretty well. <laughs> but for some reason, like I just stopped thinking about it. And I'm just like, wait a minute, that seems really intriguing and really interesting. And I kind of am interested in like seeing if that works. I'm kind of interested to see if that fat burner works, even though I know that it is bullshit. Yeah. It's still easy for me to get sucked into that because of the way that they marketed or advertised. And like, yeah, it's 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 a dangerous the fitness industry is a pretty messy. Um, yeah, it's a pretty messy industry, unfortunately. And, and sometimes I think that we all forget too, that like, especially if it's not an influencer per se, and it's a, a page or whatever, like an Instagram page, a TikTok that like, sometimes these companies have a whole marketing team behind them. They know what they're doing. They know how to market that information. They know how to draw you in. Just like you said, they know how to make you feel like shit and question what you're doing and make you feel like you need that. And, and, and that's the sad part is sometimes we forget that and we do get sucked in. I am a sucker for so many things. I've done the same thing. I've tried like every diet trend that, that you can imagine. Like I've done like yo-yo diets. I I've done it all. 
and quite frankly, nothing's ever worked other than consistency with eating good and working out. And it's, it's scary to think that like, I've gone through those spaces that I've just bought like so much shit. I've spent so much money on just crap, that stuff that's made me feel like I'm going to pass out stuff that's made me feel like I'm going to poop myself like so bad. Like I was taking these um, like, honestly, it was probably like a pre-workout and a pill kind of thing. It was supposed to speed up your metabolism. And, and like, I remember taking it and feeling like I was like high as a fucking kite at work, like floating. Like, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to function and do anything because it got like my heart rate up, like did all of these things that like probably shouldn't have been happening in a setting outside of the gym. And, and it was bad and looking back I'm like why did I ever put shit in my body that I didn't even know I bought like random pills like off of some random website like sketchy shit sketchy shit yeah in my mind I was like oh my god well it says that it melts fat so like I should try it oh my god it's like super cheap too how convenient like all of these things there's just so much information out there that like if you're not educated yourself or taking the time to kind of feed through it and see what actually makes sense you can fall into some pretty pretty bad situations like even cleanses like I'm all about like yeah you want to do like a juice cleanse for like maybe a day but like a week like I can think of like Beyonce what was it like the the lemon water and cayenne pepper that she was living off of know. for like I, I don't know oh this was like but, years, weeks on end okay it's just bad. yeah uh yeah juice cleanses and all those even for a day don't do anything they just um they don't do anything and as far as speeding up your metabolism it takes speeding up your metabolism isn't really a thing but it takes years to be able to increase your metabolism and there's tons of variables that come into play when we're looking at metabolism metabolism is a very complex um subject and topic and i feel like just somebody saying a pill or a juice can speed up your metabolism that's already a massive massive red flag anyways yeah no no it's true though like and I've been I've been a victim of it like I'm not even gonna lie I've been sucked in like there's so much information being pumped out especially in the last like I don't even know like five six years on social media that like I'm a sucker for those things like unfortunately sometimes we're more enticed by the quick what we think is going to be the quick instant fix versus taking the time to put in the effort and, and things like I, I'm please correct me if I'm speaking uh, out of turn, but like when it comes to weight loss and, and fitness, like I feel like that's something that takes a long time. It's not something that you don't just wake up one day with abs. Like you have to put time and effort into it where a lot of these things that are promoted online are like that quick instant fix. Like, Oh, you want to lose five pounds in a day, do this, which is like so unhealthy. Like it's, it's not good and normal. We live in an Amazon prime world and we expect things quickly and right now. And we are attracted to sexy and quick and magical because we're human beings and anything that seems like hard work or scary, we instantly back away from. And one of the things that I learned in this journey is that, and I I think that any entrepreneur has learned this, is that if it's scary and if it's intimidating, and if you're kind of backing away from it, then you probably need to walk into it a little bit. Like discomfort is there for a reason, 
we're supposed to be slightly uncomfortable in order for us to grow. And anytime we do all these like quick fixes, ideally, let's say you did wake up with a six pack, mm-hmm. but how good would you really feel about yourself? Cause you didn't do the work to wake up like that. There are so many women who are naturally very thin and they don't give a shit about their body or care because they didn't work to have that done. But the women and men, I should say people in general who have put in the effort to look the way they look and feel the way they feel are very like they have a lot of pride and gratitude with all the work that they have done in how their body feels and looks. I think there's a, that's a big thing too, right? Like if you have a cleaner come and clean your house, you're like, oh, my house looks great. But have you ever like spent like three days, like deep cleaning your house and you sit back and you're like, damn, <laughs> do not step in my house with your boots on. Like don't come yeah. in my house, but a cleaner cleans your house. You're like, it's fine. Just come on in. I'll just sweep it up later. It's not a big deal. There's a, there's, it's a big difference into like when you do the work and it's hard And like, there's been tears involved. It's been scary. It's a scary journey, but you were consistent and compliant. That's where you grow and learn. And that's where you end up having pride. I love women and men who show off their bodies online. Do you know how fucking hard it is to achieve a lot of those goals? They're not showing it off because they were born like that. They were showing it off because they worked their ass off to get that body and feel the way that they feel. Anyways, that's just my two cents. <laughs> no, I don't know. I value it. <laughs> I like hearing it. All right. So let's get right into it. So we have 10 today that we wanted to talk about. So number one, and I'll, I'll kind of pose it as a question. So people that actually have the most impressive physiques, do they have to do fancy exercises or training to get those physiques? I think that's a, it's a great question because you see it all the time when everybody wants like a really fancy physique and F45 and orange theory does this a lot. They like change up their exercises constantly and they do all these fancy dancy things. But when you're looking at like bodybuilders and those bikini athletes that have amazing physiques, um, and I'm just going to talk about those because that's my most, um, that's what I kind of know most about is like bodybuilding. But when you're looking at those people, they do the same exercises over and over and over again. Because when you're looking at training, if you look at a soccer player, a soccer player isn't going to change up their training every day. They're going to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So that way when they're on the field, they know what they're doing and they're skilled at doing that. They are experts at doing that. And that's like every time you come underneath a bar and you're lifting and you're doing a squat or a deadlift or a bench press, whatever it is, every time that you go under it, you want to be 1% better and you want to get better at doing that. And how are you supposed to know if you're getting better and stronger at doing a lift if you're constantly changing and switching things up, get good at doing the simple things, be an expert at doing the simple things. And that's where the body's going to change. And that's how you're going to get that impressive physique, not by switching things and going back and forth and exercises. So then I have to ask you a question. What are your thoughts on CrossFit? On what? On CrossFit. Oh, on CrossFit. So actually my a long time ago I hated CrossFit to be honest and I had a lot of just whatever there was a lot a lot of things that I hated about CrossFit however I love CrossFit for the fact that it builds community and I think you know in every other aspect of like bodybuilding bodybuilding is a very singular sport and if you're not 
like an individual who likes to push themselves individually, it can be really hard for you to get any results. Whereas like CrossFit is a community and they are people that are pushing each other constantly. And for that, I love CrossFit. There are some things that I don't love in CrossFit. I have a few clients who I've had to work on doing a lot of unlearning in training with them. Um, Every single one of them has had an injury that I'm working with. But aside from that, like if people actually take the time to get a coach and learn the movements, I think I actually am starting to go on the side of liking CrossFit because yeah, you can get great results and you can build an amazing community and push yourself harder than you've ever thought you could push yourself but please learn how to do the moves properly. Spend the time, (laughs) spend the time and learning how to move properly. I've seen a lot of people actually get really good, good results from CrossFit, but then some of the exercises that I see them do, I'm like, how are you not injuring yourself? So yeah, maybe it's just educating yourself on how to properly do it. But I just picture myself trying to attempt some of the things that I see and I'm like, Oh, I would totally like throw at a hip or my back or something. Everything though is within. So like, I've never done CrossFit personally, but I think when you start CrossFit and I hope when you start CrossFit, that they're starting you off slower and they are regressing all of the moves and then slowly progressing you. And that's the same with training too. You start off in a rest, like um, a squat, for example, you can do a body weight squat, then a goblet squat, then a back squat. Um, and in CrossFit, I've seen a lot of people do CrossFit where they start off regressing and then they're progressing. And all these moves are just regressions from some of the moves that they started off doing because they got good at them and now they're getting better and they're able to adapt and learn how to add on more complexities in the moves. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. I've thought about CrossFit a couple of times, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'll stick to my just regular gym stuff for a bit before maybe I'm actually at a point where I feel like I could do those things. Cause even like when it comes to my form for some of the basics, I'm like, yeah, my form sucks. <laughs> it needs some work. <laughs> um, so we'll go into the next one, which like this one hits home for me because until we're going to talk about it, I, I thought it was, it was a thing. So I always thought in order to feel like I had a good workout, my muscles needed to be sore. And if my muscles did not feel sore after a leg day, if I'm not walking, like I have a pickle up my butt, then I didn't feel like I had a good workout. So <laughs> let me know what you think of that one. All right. So muscle soreness or exercise induced muscle soreness will end up leading into DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. And it doesn't happen for everybody, but it can happen. And that's basically just micro tears in the muscle. And basically what happens is, and the belief is, or the theory is that those micro tears can potentially help in building muscle. That has since been kind of debunked since, so there's two movements. You have a contract or there's three, actually, you have the concentric, which is the shortening phase of the muscle, the uh, isometric, which is if you're just holding it, like if you were to do a plank. That would be an isometric move. And then you have the eccentric move, which is the lengthening phase of the muscle. So in a bicep curl, the concentric is the curl up. The isometric would be if you held your arm halfway down and the eccentric would be the lengthening phase on the way down. Now the lengthening phase is where you're going to get most of that ripping and tearing in the muscle. And it had been believed that that is where most of the muscle grows. But a lot of moves like in CrossFit, for example, there's a lot of moves that are only concentric based moves. So you're only doing like the shortening phase of the, the 
the exercise. And it has been shown that with no DOMS or creating muscle damage, that that can still create muscle growth or hypertrophy, which we just learned the word today. So yeah, there's not, that doesn't necessarily mean that you had a bad workout if you're not feeling the delayed onset muscle soreness. The other thing too is too much muscle soreness can actually inhibit you from coming back to the gym constantly. So if you wanted to go to the gym and work out hard three to four days a week, but you've made yourself too sore. And now when you come back, you can't push yourself as hard. You probably pushed yourself too hard the session before. And now you're not going to reap the benefits of this session because you pushed too hard before and you can't push as hard this time. We want to be able to have those adaptations And depending on how long you're going to the gym, so, you know, three days a week, you need to push yourself really hard. Five to six days a week, you're not going to push yourself as hard because you need to have the recovery in the muscle to be able to push yourself hard enough in each exercise, if that makes any sense. Yep. The delayed onset muscle soreness for a lot of people, it's kind of just a feeling of, oh, I feel like I did really well. And that's more of a psychological component, which is great. Some people like myself, like we're kind of status where we enjoy <laughs> that feeling of like, <laughs> I'm so sore. Don't even touch my bum. It hurts so much, but I love it so much. And then yeah. other people hate that feeling. And like, I've worked with a lot of women who hate the feeling of muscle soreness. Like they like having a little, like a little tiny bit of muscle soreness, barely, mm-hmm. but anything else more than that, they're like, I cannot move. And I think you know, we need to start steering away from the misconception that muscle soreness equals a good workout because adaptation has happened too. You might not be sore at all, but if you look at your workout and you're like, oh, I was able to lift, you know, two pounds heavier or two to three reps more. And I wasn't as tired and my recovery is really well. Then you, you did a really good workout. You don't have to sweat either. That's not necessarily, doesn't mean that you had a great workout. It's looking at the workout that you did last week And then comparing it into this week and being like, did I improve? How was my recovery? Was I able to lift more? Was I able to push myself a little bit harder? And that's how you tell if you had a good workout. I'm definitely going to be thinking about that more when I work out. Cause I, I am that sadistic person where I'm like, yes, I want to feel the pain up until I have that, like, I don't know, second or third day after legs and I can't sit down on the toilet, then it's a problem because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> and then you push yourself too hard. Yeah. And then the worst part is like days like that too, where is that I do push myself so hard that I'm more likely to convince myself to not go to the gym when I'm supposed to go to the gym because I'm so sore that I'm like, no, I can't do it. I'm not able to work out, which is just a bad cycle. One of my favorite sayings is compliance is the science. And if you can't comply to your workouts because you are too sore, then you are pushing yourself far too hard. And there is no compliance, like just with food too. If you're constantly dieting and you can't stick with it and then binging, then you're not actually dieting and you're not actually being compliant. You're pushing yourself too hard. I like that saying. I've never heard that. (laughs) Um, so our third misconception. So if you are lifting heavy and often, it will make you bulky. And I feel like this is too so good for like women, because I know that women feel like this for sure. So what are your thoughts on that? I, in almost every consultation that I've had recently, I've said that I will pay, I will give you all of your sessions for free or pay you all of back your sessions. If you end up waking up bulky. 
And like, they're like, really? Like, like, yeah. Like, listen, I've been trying to get bulky for like (laughs) 10 years. And bulk is basically when people are thinking of like bulky or like too much muscle. And I I think it depends on the person, but they're looking at body builders (laughs) and women primarily who are taking steroids, testosterone, and they are, you know, basically making themselves bulky. The other thing too is you don't even understand how much work these people are doing in order to get the physique that they're doing. They are literally spending two to three hours a day lifting in the gym. They're focusing 110% on nutrition, which you can't even put 80% of your effort into nutrition. Trust me, you are not going to get bulky. If you can't spend five to six days in the week in the uh, five to six days in the gym for three hours a day, pushing yourself to the intensity that these push people have pushed themselves while also taking steroids, then you are not going to get bulky. It's impossible. <laughs> There's no way it's going to happen. And I will say it to everyone. If you wake up with a six pack and you are bulky as hell <laughs> from one day of training and lifting heavy, please go to, I don't know, like a science museum or something. And <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Women generally don't have enough testosterone to be able to give themselves that bulky look. And I think too, is like women who are dieting because women diet all the time. Yep. You're not giving your muscle enough fuel to be able to grow. So yeah. if without the fuel, your muscle's not going to grow, you're not going to get bulky. If anything, you're, you're killing off a lot of your gains by constantly bulking or killing off a lot of your muscle gains, I should say, by constantly dieting. I said bulking, but dieting. So this kind of segues actually into the fourth misconception is that you can build muscle in a a calorie deficit. So can you, can you build muscle while you're in a calorie? Oh my God, I can't say it. Calorie deficit. deficit. And and what is a calorie deficit? If you can explain that. Okay. So I'll explain a calorie deficit first. So calorie deficit basically just means that you are eating um, less calories than your body needs to maintain. So maintenance would just be eating enough for your body to keep the muscle and the weight that you have on. Uh, calorie surplus would be to gain fat and more muscle while you're eating more than your body needs. And a deficit would be eating less than your body needs to hold on to fat and you will lose some muscle in the long run too. But it depends. Like most things in the fitness industry, it's not a black and white answer. So the, it depends is basically how much body fat do you have right now? If you have, if you're storing onto like for a woman, uh, you know, 22 to 30% body fat, you can be in a calorie deficit and still gain muscle because you have a lot of energy storage. Whereas if you're a woman who is like 18% body fat or less, um, you're going to need to be either in maintenance, probably even into a calorie surplus in order for you to gain, um, significantly enough muscle for it to actually make a difference. So yeah, the answer is not really black and white depends on how long you've been training for as well. Like your training age plays a big role in it as well. You can be a woman of like 20, 22% body fat, but have been training for eight years. Um, and if you're putting yourself into a calorie deficit, that's a pretty significant calorie deficit. You probably won't gain any uh, significant amount of muscle. So I think, you know, a a lot of it is like, how hard are you pushing yourself in the gym? What's your training age? How much body fat are you holding onto? But 
for the majority of people, I'd say if you have a pretty high body fat percentage, you probably can get away with building muscle for a certain amount of time. But after that, I would focus on putting yourself into maintenance or even better into a slight calorie surplus in order for you to gain the muscle and then put yourself into a cut afterwards or surplus afterwards. So you can see all that hard earned muscle that you had gained. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. I see. And I didn't even know what a calorie deficit by depth by definition was, I kind of thought I knew what it was, but it's always good to you know, share with the listeners too, so that we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Now, number five, eating healthy is the best way to lose weight. Yeah. So that again is like the, it depends and it's not a black and white answer because eating healthy for everyone's going to look completely different. If you look at a vegan who's doing it for ethical reasons, or even because they might think it's healthier to eat as a vegan or vegetarian, like that is their definition of health or a carnivore, for example, who thinks that just eating meat is healthier. So health for everybody is going to look completely different. But when it comes to losing fat and becoming a leaner version of yourself, you need to be in a calorie deficit. It has nothing to do with what health is. You can be eating, a lot of people are going to get really angry at this. (laughs) But you can eat McDonald's and Snicker bars all day as long as you are in a calorie deficit. Is your body going to run optimally? No. Are you going to feel like shit? Yes. When people are saying a fat loss stage, even in a fat loss stage, even if you are eating quote unquote healthy, you can still feel pretty crappy depending on how big the deficit is. But you obviously want to be trying to get in more whole foods, you know, vegetables, fruits, legumes rather than extremely processed foods. You can still have some processed foods. People also don't understand that processed foods are pretty much every single food that is on the shelf. Yep. (laughs) Everything has been processed in one way or another. But when we were talking about extremely processed foods, we're talking about like your, your Snickers bars and and all those like bag chips or chips and bags and stuff like that. But yeah, so health is going to look different on everybody and everybody's going to respond to like vegetables and fruits differently too. So I cannot tolerate broccoli. Broccoli is deemed as a healthy food, but when I have broccoli, I bloat and I feel very uncomfortable. It doesn't work very well for my body. Some people have allergies to foods. So just because it's healthy, doesn't mean that it's good for them. If they're allergic to them, no. So we want really want to make sure that we are like taking individuality into consideration because everybody is super unique in looking at health components. And then you also want to make sure that you're taking your blood and looking at how your blood is looking. So yeah, eating healthy is not black and white. It's going to look different on everybody. And there's always going to be like, how did you grow up? Like somebody who is Jewish compared to Irish are going to have different concepts of what health looks like because of how they grew up in their family and what they ate and what they deemed as healthy. So, yeah. yeah. So that's so true. I never really thought of it like that. Cause even this misconception, when I was reading it, I was like, huh, but like, isn't eating healthy, like the best way, but you're right though, is it's, it's different for everybody and it looks different for everybody. I mean, but if you told me that I could eat Big Macs and be in a calorie deficit, like, I mean, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) The thing too, is you want to look at your psychological components too, because health isn't just, you know, putting yourself into a calorie deficit because you just need to and eating just like vegetables and, and meat and it's plain and boring. And like, you're not living life. 
health is like, are you enjoying the food that you're eating? Are you able to stay, you know, eating the foods that you're eating whilst maintaining a calorie deficit or surplus or maintenance um, while enjoying it as well? Because without being able to enjoy it, like a lot of people lose their libido when they go into a ma major calorie deficit and they're not eating foods that they really enjoy. That is not healthy, in my opinion. When you're feeling like shit and your hormones have completely downregulated because you're not fueling your body with what it needs. And sometimes fueling your body <laughs> means like having, you know, a Hershey's bar or something every once in a, in a while, just so you feel psychologically more motivated to stick with your plan. Yeah. Now I'm going to go and eat a Snickers bar because you said it like six times that I want one. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. To hear the last four misconceptions in the fitness industry, listen to part two of this episode. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Beautiful, but beautiful.